Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Everybody, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. This is part two with the special guest Larry Goins, who's a friend of mine, known him for years. And um, last episode with Larry, we talked about a lot of things, but one of the things we talked about was was um, how he's doing his deals, how he's getting them on HUD, and stuff like that. But today, I wanted to dive in deeper because there's other things that he does besides just bidding on HUD. Uh, that he finds his deals and he's a very active investor. He does a lot of deals and he also teaches and coaches and he's been uh, in the business a long, long time. Gary, I mean, Larry, Gary, <laughs> because your last name. No, I'm just kidding. So Larry, talk about um, when did you get started in real estate again? Re- refresh our memory. Oh man, my my first seminar was a Tom Vu seminar. You remember him? Mm. I think we talked about that on the last yes, show. Yes, we did. That's hilarious. Yeah, he's That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, that was my first seminar. And from there, I went on to get my real estate license, my contractor's license. And uh, man, my first deal was in 1986. And I've never looked back. I've done wholesaling, retailing, lease options, subject to short sales, commercial, residential, multifamily, mobile home parks, and development. I've gone in and bought land and cleared, graded, graveled, and paved, and then built houses on the lots. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. It's more yeah, than I've done. done. A lot. <laughs> we've done a lot. Right now, what we're doing primarily is wholesaling yeah. and doing some uh, seller financing slash lease options. Well, good. I wanted to talk more about that, Larry, because you're doing a lot of deals right now over the phone. And you're doing other types of marketing as well. And I wanted to get you on part two of the podcast to talk about that. Uh, but guys, first of all, don't forget, if you want to listen to the previous episode we did with Larry, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. That's realestateinvestingmastery.com to get, listen to that previous audio. It was really good. And then also in, w- when you're there in the search bar, just do a search for Larry and you'll find that episode. Also, if you like this show, leave us a review in iTunes. I'm pulling up iTunes right now. I appreciate the reviews. We have 500 or maybe 400 or something episode uh, reviews, and I really appreciate that. But I just want to ask you again, if you've not left a review, if you like the show, leave a review. We'd appreciate it. We've been doing this podcast since 2011, and it's, I think, the best podcast on real estate investing after Larry's, because Larry has a good one, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your podcast called, Larry? Well, we actually have two. Yeah. We have one called Brain Pick a Pro, where we interview other people, and we're setting up to get you on it right now. Yes. And uh, and then we also have another one that we do every week called Brag Radio. It's all about being rich and generous. We teach it real estate investing, and then we encourage people to go out and be generous with their time and money. Nice. I love that. I love that episode, that uh, concept. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I like it. I actually got it from the pastor of my church. He had a uh, he had a series. Actually, it was a Sunday called Brag Sunday, and you know everybody's like, "What? What's what's this about?" You know, but it's all about being rich and generous. And then when we were trying to figure out a a name for our show, 
I actually called him up and I said, I'm getting ready to do a radio show. We used to have it on the radio here locally in Charlotte, but we pulled it off of that just so we could get a wider reach. But I asked him what he thought about me using that name. And he's like, man, I love it. He said, I think it would be great. In fact, we've had him on a couple episodes of Bragg. How about that? Yeah. What, what kind of church do you go to, Larry? It's just a non-denominational community church, Bible-based. Awesome. One of the things that I appreciated about you when we were at your office a few weeks ago was that um, you had a morning prayer, a little morning devotional, and that was really nice. It was good. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We do that every morning. Every morning, somebody on the team provides a little bit of content, training, maybe personal development, motivation. You know, I don't care if they play a short five-minute YouTube video to get you motivated, but somebody on the team does that, and we take turns, and then we have a short devotion and prayer request, and then end with a prayer and hit the day. That's good. That's awesome. All right, so... In case people are wondering, too, you're you are near Charlotte, South Carolina, or North Carolina? Correct. Just right across the state line from Charlotte, North Carolina, we're in Lake Wiley, South Carolina. That's right. Okay, cool. Uh, Larry, I wanted to ask you more about how you are, other types of marketing that you're doing. You're, you've been doing HUD for a long, long time, but that's not it. Um, right. What else are you doing to find deals right now? Man, we're we're doing right now, we're doing a lot of direct mail. For the longest time, and you know, I I wrote a book about HUD houses, and we're still buying a few HUD houses a month, but there's not as many of them as there used to be. They're not as plentiful. So we've had to look into other sources, and we started doing quite a bit of direct mail. We're mailing out about 25,000 pieces a month, about six to 7,000 pieces a week. Wow. And and I'm telling you, Joe, we, we just started this a while back. And the phone literally rings off the hook on Mondays and Tuesdays because they go out on Friday, right? Yeah. So they hit Monday and Tuesday. So our phone usually rings about 300 times on Monday, about 200 times on Tuesday. Are you kidding And then me? about 100 and then 50 and then, oh, my gosh, you won't believe it. I've got three guys in the round robin, me. Actually, now it's me and Candace. And Troy, my acquisition manager. You got Candace on this? and that, Candace that's is pretty in the serious. round robin too. Yeah, no I'm telling way. you. Yeah, because we're missing a lot of calls. I'm like, every time the phone rings and I can't take it, I'm like, that could be a $10,000 check. You know? Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, I just wrote up two deals on the phone yesterday. Now, Larry, I remember we were talking, we'll talk about that in a second here, but I remember talking about this uh, less than a month ago, or no, a couple months ago. Right. Thinking, oh man, I, I don't know, Larry. You know, direct mail is tough, and you sure you want to do all of that mail? That's a lot of money you're going to be spending on mail, and it sounds like it's working. Go figure. Well, you know what? I just started not too long ago, and, you know, you and I both are in a mastermind where there's a lot of guys doing direct mail, and, you know, so I've been able to pick their brains some because I'm a firm believer in having a mentor and being in masterminds and stuff like that. You know, you and I both are in, in two masterminds together. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and um, so I'm a firm believer in that, but but I bought a list and I paid a lot of money for the list. It was like $16,000 for the list. Yeah. So I started mailing and I mailed the postcard that, you know, like the final notice postcard. Okay. Now my next mailing, I'm not going to do that because there's a lot of people that are just calling up and they're saying, you know, well, what is this about? I got this final notice. 
I had one guy call up. <laughs> it was funny. I don't think they read the postcard, Joe. No, no. Because one guy calls up and he says, is this the tax office? Are you trying to reach me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got a postcard from the tax office. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So it makes them call. So, you know, you can turn some of those people around that are like, no, nah, I'm not interested in selling. Well, maybe what would you give me for it? Right. Hmm. But but we're going to change up the postcard. We just really wanted to get a lot of a lot of activity and productivity going. And we've done that with our first month's mailing. So next month we're going to uh, we're going to tighten it up a little bit and, and, and make sure they know we're just looking to buy some houses. That's it. Well, the good thing about the final notice postcards, and there's other things like that, like third notice. I used to do that a lot. Right, I got a right. ton of calls. You get the phone numbers of these people. So if you have a really good mailing address, if you send out the most obnoxious postcard, you're going to get a lot of calls, which is good because right. now you have phone numbers of that list that you mailed to. And guess what you can do? You can call them and follow up with them You know, from now till uh, to 30 years from now. There you go. That's exactly right. And all of our calls go into call rail and we get like, let me see here. We've gotten in the last couple of weeks, we've gotten, it looks like three weeks, we've gotten over 1400 calls. <laughs> Holy smokes. So what can you, do you mind if we ask what this postcard says? Does it say, Hey, we want to buy your house or does it just say, Hey, we need to talk to you about your house. It says, it says final notice. And it's funny, some people call up and say, I didn't get the first or the second notice. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it says, final notice, we've been trying to reach you, but we've been unsuccessful. We we need to get in touch with you uh, as soon as possible about your property. And then it says, we have an all cash as is offer ready for you. All you need to do is call the number in the next seven days and we'll give you that cash offer. Nice. And uh, and that's what it is. I mean, that most of them call and say say that they don't they're they're trying to figure out what it's about. Right. So we're just going to try to be more direct with the next one so we can cut down on a few of the phone calls and um, and just focus on the ones that call that are ready to sell their property. You know, what do you think about this, Larry? And I, I I've been I've been doing this for land and it actually works really well. I'll send blind offers to landowners. Right. Based on the size of the acreage, we'll send them an offer. Hey, we'll buy your lot for 1200 bucks, And it's right. usually just a formula, 12% of what similar properties are selling for, 20%. Right. I've thought about this for a long time, about whether I should test doing that for land. I mean, for houses, I'm sorry, for houses. Have you ever sent just a blind offer to sellers for their houses? Just an offer to buy it. You know what? I have not sent blind offers, but that's not a bad idea. If you have their phone numbers, you know, you could text them a link and they could pop it open and boom, there's a cash offer for their house right on their cell phone. What do you think about that? I like that. Yeah. You know, I did this a little bit one time. I tested it with a few hundred letters. Right. And I got a list and and a good zip code of all of the free and clear properties. Right. And, uh, to narrow it down even more, I I said um, I did an age demographic, and I said they need to be over the age of fifty five. So over the age of fifty five, one hundred percent equity. So these were properties that had no mortgages on them, and I sent them a blind offer. And the front cover letter said, "I know this is out of the blue, but I want to make an offer on your property, and I'll give you full full Zillow estimate for the property." 
if you're willing to do owner financing. Right. And so I just had a VA, I had a, a hundred addresses, a VA go in and in the spreadsheet and Google sheet would put in the Zestimate value right. of these homes. And I just made an all cash offer. And then she'd also put in the, the Zestimate rent. Right. Estimate, right. And uh, I gave them an offer contingent on me inspecting it, obviously. And, content, you know, uh, I, I was assuming it didn't need any repairs in this offer. Which right. is so I can adjust it with repairs. But anyway, giving them full Zestimate value and then half of the Zestimate rent as principal only payments. So in other words, let's say Zestimate said the house is worth 150 and the rent is a thousand bucks, let's say. So I would right. offer them owner financing $150,000 and $500 a month principal only payments. And of the hundred letters that I sent, I got about four or five calls, which was pretty low. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, that's four to 5%. I guess it's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> as far as direct mail goes. Uh, only one of them was kind of sort of interested, but I've called him and he was in the house. He's getting ready to move. So it was still going to be three, four months before he would be ready. I did right. get an angry call from somebody. They were furious. They thought for sure this must be a scam. I was, they, they, they accused me of doing equity skimming because that was the thing that was in the news at the time. Right, right. I've thought about that a lot. And I'm thinking about trying that again. You know what? That's what marketing is all about, trial and error. And you just have to keep trying new things. I remember, Joe, back when I was in the home improvement business years ago, I used to do siding, windows, roofs, kitchens, and decks and stuff like that. Yeah. And we got a lot of our business. Now, we did we didn't do direct mail individuals, but we would do newspaper inserts where we would have our flyers that talked about special funding programs for home improvements in your area, pay off all your bills, fix up your house and have one low monthly payment. And we would do consolidation loans and get them the money for their improvements. And it amazed me. They were newspaper inserts and like, you know, they would come out on like Sunday with the coupons. And they would be just, they call them blow-ins. They just blow them right in the newspaper, you know, as the newspaper's being printed. And and it's very, very inexpensive to do it. Huh. But we spent a lot of money doing that, and we got tons of leads. <laughs> well, you know, I, any kind of marketing will work pretty much. I mean, you just got to be consistent with it. You've got to be, you got to go big or go home sometimes too, don't you? You know what? And that's the that's the key with tracking. You've got to track things. It's like people used to say, I mean, sometimes people still say this, but you know, I know half my marketing is working. I just don't know which half, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's true. But that's why you have to track it. Like with us, when the phone rings, I know exactly why they're calling. I know which postcard they got, what mailing list they were on. And or what Craigslist ad they saw or what Facebook ad they saw because we have it programmed in. We have a different number yeah. for each marketing piece or d each marketing ad. And then we have that number programmed in our phone and it shows not the number that's being called from, but it shows the number they're calling on our caller ID. Yeah. We set that up in our call rail. So we know right off the bat, you know, if I, if I look at my phone, it's ringing. It says, it says, you know, handyman special Craigslist list seller ad, mm. you know, or something like that. I'll know exactly what ad it is. Nice. Nice. 
Well, that's having the separate phone numbers. You can also do your um, track your KPIs, and you can track better the cost per lead, the average leads per appointment, the average leads per contract, or stuff like that. That's really key. Okay, so you're doing a lot of direct mail, Larry. Let me ask you a little bit more about that, because in HUD, you're targeting a lot of the smaller markets. You're not targeting the bigger cities, right? Well, that's the key with HUD. The key with HUD is because there's not near as many HUD houses as there used to be. You have to go wide with HUD. In other words, if you were only going to buy HUD houses in St. Louis, you would starve, right? Yeah. But if you're going to do HUD houses in Missouri, then you would be all right because you can cast a wider net. Yeah. So that's with HUD. Now, what are you doing with direct mail? Are you going after the smaller markets as well? You know, we are. I'm in the Charlotte MSA, Metropolitan Statistical Area. I'm in the Charlotte MSA, but it's been probably four years since I bought a house in Charlotte, and I go into the outlying counties all around Charlotte, The bed, what a lot of people call the bedroom communities, where people live outside of the city, and then they drive into the city to work. They call them bedroom communities. So that's where I try to target my direct mail is uh, three or four different counties outside of Charlotte, which is Mecklenburg County. And so do you find there's many – well, are you targeting absentee owners or are you targeting owner-occupants with equity? Well, I've bought a list, right? I bought a list from a guy we both know, and it's Mm -hmm. a very, very expensive list. And they want to make sure that you know what you're doing, that you've done deals before. You're already doing this full time before they'll even sell you a list, right? And so I have no idea what the list consists of. I'm assuming that they're targeting and analyzing people who are on multiple lists, right? I think that's a part of their data set is to Find people who are on multiple sets and merge them and give you the ones with the most probability of having an interest in selling their house. Okay. That makes sense. Good. And, um, well, you'll have to let me know how that goes. You know, you just, the mail is starting to, you're, you're, you're kind of stacking the mail, right? You're sending a little bit every week. We are, we are, we've, we've had a lot of calls and unfortunately like the second week into this, one, two of my guys were out of town for three or four days, so we've got a lot of follow-up calls to do, but we just wrote up two contracts yesterday. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you're negotiating these deals over the phone, because you're not going to look at these houses. These are homes that are over an hour away most of the time, right? Yeah. Well, they're usually within about an hour uh, of, of our office. Okay. I, tried, I tried to keep our direct mail to where we don't have to drive more than maybe an hour, hour and 10 minutes or something. Okay. So are you going, are you scheduling an appointments to go see the houses or what are you trying to do? No, here's the deal. Okay. And guys, this is very, very important. All right. I do know that your closing ratio is going to be higher if you go look at the house up front. I get that. Sitting face to face with them. They can look in your eyes. You can see them. You can sit down. You can build rapport with them. But I also know there's deals you're going to miss because you don't make an offer over the phone. So we do both, right? Mm-hmm. If I could make an offer over the phone, if they're if they're okay with me emailing them the the document to sign through DocuSign, we use Right Signature, but yeah. or FedEx it to them, you know, whatever it is, we want to do that, 
right? Like, like the deal I bought yesterday, the guy agreed to sell it to me on the phone yesterday, right? So I FedExed him. I actually used UPS because he was retired from UPS. So we used UPS, right? Yeah. So, which by the way, he already called me today and he said, I just want to let you know, I got it. I'm signing everything. By the way, thanks for using UPS. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. Okay. So, but, but anyway, he had another appointment with another real estate investment company today, but because I negotiated the deal over the phone yesterday and we came to an agreement yesterday and I FedEx it to him yesterday and he got it today, he took my offer instead of, of meeting with the other guy. Right. Wow. So if, if I would have waited until I had an, had an appointment, I would have lost the deal. But because I negotiated over the phone, I got a jump on the guy who only set the appointment. Interesting. Have you ever done, used a mobile notary instead of using FedEx or UPS? Well, you know, sometimes you need to do that, especially if you have like older people you know, they may not understand. They want to make sure that they have somebody that, there to explain stuff to them and things like that. So you can use a mobile notary. You can email the notary the documents and they'll drive out and uh, to the house and, and get it all signed and notarize everything right there. Okay. Well, talk a little bit, Larry, about how you negotiate deals over the phone, because I th this is fascinating to a lot of people I know listening to the podcast. It's fascinating to me. The deals we're doing right now in, in Alabama and in Mississippi, they're all over the phone. And it's you're right. And I, I like your perspective on that because you will lose some deals because you're not meeting with the seller in person, belly button to belly button. But you're absolutely 100% right. You're going to get some deals that you wouldn't get otherwise. And the other thing you got to remember, um, you're able to do more deals on the phone. If you were to have if you were to have to drive all around town all the time, going to meet sellers in their home or sending an acquisitions manager all around, right? that is a huge time a suck. You know, it takes a lot of time. So what you maybe lose in the deals, you're going to make up in volume, if that makes sense. That's so true. That is so true. Plus, now I tell people when we're on the phone, first of all, the first few minutes, we're just trying to build rapport, yeah. right? We're trying to build rapport. You know, hey, I understand you have a house that you might be interested in selling. Let me ask you a question. What causes you to need to, to sell your house for all cash right now? See, I'm not even talking about the house. I want to find out the reason. Mm. I want to I want to look for the pain. You know, well, you know, my, my wife's going into a nursing home or my kids are going into college or I've got some medical bills I need to pay or something like that. Yeah. So you build the rapport with them. You ask them why do they need to sell a house? About how long does that process take? Uh, just a few minutes. You want to build a little bit of rapport, find out a little bit of things about them. I'm always taking notes, Joe, always. You know, like the guy says he worked for UPS. He owns properties all around. You know, I'm, I'm finding some things in common, you know, just like at UPS. I remember when I was in high school, that was the dream job for a high school guy to get a job at UPS. Really? Right. So we, so I mentioned that and we talked about that. You know, I told him a couple of my good friends had a job at UPS driving a truck back in the late seventies, early eighties. And they were making six fifty eight an hour back then when the minimum wage was like three or $4 an hour. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about that for a few minutes 
And then after that, I start saying, you know, well, let me pull up the house here and see what other similar houses are selling for. You know, I tell them I don't determine what I can pay. The market determines what that's I can pay. That's great. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, that's what I tell them. I, look, I don't determine what I can pay. The market does, right? Because I just have to go along with the market, right? So I pull up the house, and then and then I start asking them questions like, how long has it been since the roof was replaced? Huh. Now, how long has it been since the HVAC was replaced? Hmm. Now, what about the kitchen Cabinets, countertop, floor covering. When it, when it, when was it since that was updated? And most all the time, it's like they can't even remember. You know, ten years, fifteen years, and then I'm going, hmm, hmm, okay, mm-hmm, <laughs> right, yeah, mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor. Doc says, "Where does it hurt?" You say, "Right here." He goes, "Hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. right." <laughs> so, so that's what I'm doing. Right. I'm, I'm just, I'm really kind of, I'm really kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, I'm price conditioning them without actually throwing out a price. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say something and I can pull the house up and look at it online. Right. You can look at it on Google maps and I'll say something like, Hmm, do you have a garage? You don't No. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You don't have a garage. All right. So does it have, you know, yeah. and I'll, I'll say stuff like that. I'm really just kind of price condition them, right? Okay. Just letting them know. And even if I know it's a two bedroom, I'll say, now you said that was a three bedroom, right? Cause everybody wants a three bedroom. That's good. Mm. No, it's a two. Oh, oh, it's only a two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of disappointing them a little bit, you know, <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So. But right. you said it did have two baths, right? Oh, and oh, oh, only one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Now, are you are you, are you targeting homes that, or do you actually actually even go into that kind of detail where you're only targeting homes that you would sell to a cash flow a cash flow landlord, or are you targeting homes that you know a rehabber might want to buy? You know, Joe. Here's what here's what I've found. I like the lower price stuff for seller financing and lease option stuff. You know, I, I do. I do. My lease options are different. I'm I'm paying for them, and I'm I'm selling on lease options, not buying on lease options. Right. So I like the properties with an ARV of a hundred thousand or less. Okay. What I have noticed when I'm wholesaling a property is if I can keep my price fifty thousand dollars or less, I can sell that property much, much, much faster. Hmm. Right. Yep. So so after I do that a little bit, I build rapport and I talk about the property. And, uh, and then I say, well, let's see what some other houses are selling for. And I'll look, of course, I mean, I'm going to look for the, the cheapest ones in the area, right. That have sold. So I'm saying, huh, here's one right here. That looks like it's one, two, three lots down from yours. This one sold for 32,000 a couple of months ago. Now, what did you say you wanted for yours? Uh, I want 60 for mine. Oh, okay. And how big is yours? Mine's twelve hundred square feet. Yeah, this one's thirteen fifty. Hmm. Okay. Here's another one that's sold. And all I'm really doing is just giving them information, right? Sure. That's all I'm really doing. Yeah, yeah. That's all. So and uh like the guy yesterday, there were some houses that had sold in the, you know, seventy, eighty, ninety thousand, but there was one house next door to it. 
it had been fixed up, hardwood floors, been remodeled, everything. It sold for $130,000. And this guy, the first number out of his mouth was 82000 right? Yeah. So, and it was livable. He said, I still got some stuff in there. I don't need the money. You know, and when people say that, I mean, you know, I, you, you've got to be a little creative, Joe, yeah. and you know this. So I ran the numbers. I took 130 times 0.70. That was like $91,000. And then I subtracted about 15,000 in repairs, right? So down, down to 75. And I told him I needed, he was asking 82. I said, well, you know, for an all cash sale, you know, it looks like we're probably about fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 off. But, you know, didn't you just mention to me that you really don't need the money? He said, no, I really don't need the money. Oh. I just hate the house sitting there. I said, well, you know, here's something that might help you out. I said, you're probably going to have a tax bill on this thing when you sell it anyway, aren't you? He said, yeah, I'm going to have to pay some taxes. I said, well, have you ever thought about financing it? You know, I mean, where if I go to the bank and get the money, you know, and pay you cash, you're going to have a tax bill. But. If you're just going to put the money in the bank because you don't need it anyway, you know, I, I'd just soon pay you interest as I would the bank. Hmm. Would you would you be interested in financing it? And he said, well, you know, that's that sounds like a pretty good idea right there. I kind of like that. I said, well, let's see what mortgage rates are. So I pulled it up and, you know, I said, looks like they're in the, you know, mid fours, something like that. He said, yeah, my son's getting a loan right now. And he said it was going to be about five. I said, OK, five is good. So I said, if you finance it for me, I could probably pay you exactly what you're asking for it. Plus, you're going to be earning your interest on your money from day one. So I, I ended up paying him $82,000. And guess what, Joe? I never, and he never mentioned the word down payment. I just said 82000 Yeah, let me, let me see what a payment would be on that. I said, for 20 years at 5%, a payment's Holy going to be 541 smokes. a month. So I sent him the contract and he called me today. He had a couple questions about the title search and, and all that. And he never mentioned down payment. I never mentioned down payment. I, he's financing 100% of the deal. <laughs> oh, and uh, how long, uh, what, what does this property rent for? The property will rent for probably uh, around $1,000 a month. And all I'm going to do is, and, and I even asked him because he said, he said, now, now, when you sell this property, because I'd already told him, you know, we buy houses, sell them. So he said, when you sell this property now, are they going to pay me off? I said, well, you probably wouldn't really want that, would you? Because that'll trigger that tax liability. He said, no, I really don't want to have to pay the taxes. I hate paying taxes. I said, well, all right. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. If you want me to, when I sell it, I'll just let them take over the loan. And that way you won't have a huge tax bill and can keep the payments coming in. He said, that sounds good. <laughs> My goodness. Larry, do you have in your courses, and, and I know the answer to this, but this is so good, the way you talk to sellers. Do you have in your courses uh, live seller calls? That I actually do. All my courses have live seller calls, and my phone, all of our phones in our office are recorded. So I'm gonna, I think I'm going to pull that one out and, mm -hmm. and, and use it for some training. It was a really, really good call. And um, just one of the two houses we bought yesterday, but that was a really good call. And you just have to learn what the seller wants yeah. and give them what they want and create win-win situations. So, Joe, the only thing I'm going to do to this house is I'm going to put it back on the market for 99 nine 
and I'm going to get $18,000 down and I'm going to let somebody assume that loan. Nice. Right? Yeah. So you're not going to charge upcharge the interest or try to get a, a monthly some No, I just I don't like doing those long-term deals like that. I just want to collect my money, kind of like the wholesale and lease options. I just want to collect my money and be out of the deal, right? Nice. So that's that's really good. Now, I hope everybody listening to this just caught that, what he's talking about. He's going to get it under contract to owner finance it from the seller. And he's going to sell that contract to somebody who's going to live in it. Simple. And you'll probably get um, 10, 15%. Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, I'm going to try to get, it's going to be close to 20%. We're going to try to get 99.9 and get, uh, you know, $18,000 cash to the loan. And, uh, I mean, I could probably sell it for more. The house is livable. He said it just needs updating a little bit, but somebody buying it with owner financing is okay with it not being totally remodeled. Oh, but somebody's going to ask, well, why doesn't that buyer just go and get a mortgage? And if they can't get a mortgage, why would you want to sell to them anyway? What would you say to that? Well, if they put, if they put $18,000 down, right. Yeah. And they've got a loan that they don't have to go to the bank for. They're going to be a good buyer, yep. right? They're going to be a good buyer. They're not going to uh, – the chances of them defaulting are going to be slim if they put $18,000 down. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there who are good people with um, uh, good reasons for bad credit, right? They're, maybe they're self-employed. Maybe they just went through a divorce. Maybe they've been underreporting their income because of taxes, not like fakely or falsely, but just right. you know taking as many deductions as they legally can, which then makes their income smaller than it needs to be to get a traditional loan. I mean, they could some of these people. There's people out there, Larry, that could buy the home with cash, but they don't want to. But the banks won't lend to them because they don't have W two income, right? That's so. In other words, they can't show an income. Yes. right? They don't show an income. They show a loss. But they have cash coming in every month. Right. And so there's good people out there that are great, safe credit risks that you can own or finance these houses to. They're not, you know, you're not selling this house, Larry, to somebody who can't pay their credit card bill or can't pay their their, uh, cell phone bill or their their satellite TV. But they just need, when you can advertise a property with like no banks needed, you know, bad credit okay or however you do it, you're going to get your your door knocked down from people because there's so much demand for these types of houses, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, the easiest house to sell that there is is one where you offer financing, right? Yeah. You know that. Well, the cool thing about this too, Larry, correct me if I'm wrong, does Dodd-Frank apply to this because you're you're stepping out of the deal? You're not involved? So this is eventually going to be a new note between the previous owner and your new buyer? Yeah, Dodd-Frank does not apply, and I'll tell you why. Because number one, Dodd-Frank only applies to when you're selling a house that you did not currently live in, right? That you do not currently live in. In other words, if you're selling your primary residence, Dodd-Frank doesn't apply. Now, this guy, this is not his primary residence, However, Dodd-Frank doesn't kick in until you do more than three a year. Right. And this is the only one he's going to do. So Dodd-Frank doesn't apply anyway. Yep. And especially for you either because this is not a deal that you 
or staying involved with. Right. Plus, Dodd-Frank doesn't apply when you're selling to an investor, which is me. He's selling to an investor, yeah. so Dodd-Frank wouldn't apply to him even if he did, you know, 20 or 30 of them in a year. Nice. It doesn't apply. Now, it, it would apply if he originated the loan and sold it directly to the person I'm going to sell it to, and he did more than three, right? But it's not going to apply at all. So, Larry, when do you decide to sell on owner financing, and when do you sell on lease options? That's a great, great question, Joe. Not many people know to ask that question. And here's the reason, okay? Here's what we do. If the house is what we call fit and safe, meaning I can enter into a landlord-tenant relationship because the house doesn't have any problems, like let's say, for example, that I was selling a house that needed a hot water heater, right? The hot water heater didn't work. Well, as a landlord, you can't rent a house that doesn't have hot water, yeah. right? It's not fit and safe. The building inspector would come down on you in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. But I can sell that house on a land contract because I don't have to provide fit and safe housing to sell a house as is, right? So here's what we do. If the house is fit and safe, we will do a lease option when we're selling. If it is not fit and safe where it needs, you know, maybe there's some rails it needs on the deck or maybe there's some wiring issues or plumbing issues or something then we will sell it on a land contract, right? Yeah. So, and the reason is because it's a lot easier to get somebody out on a lease option than it is on a land contract, and it's much easier to get them out on a land contract than it is on a mortgage. So that's kind of the hierarchy. You start with the lease option, then land contract, then mortgage or deed of trust. Okay, that's good. That's really good. Do you have a preference, one that you prefer? I prefer the lease options, and I'll tell you why. Right. If you do enough of these, you are what's called a dealer. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I bought a house for 30,000 cash and I seller financed it for 69.9, right. Then even though I might have paid out 30,000, but I'm only collecting 69.9 in payments, I still have a $40,000 gain there. I'm going to have to pay taxes on that $40,000 if I'm a dealer even though I didn't make 40000 that year. Yeah. So I would rather do a lease option for at least a year and then convert them to a land contract if they stick, meaning if they make their payments. Because most of them, if they're going to default, they're going to default in the first 12 months, the majority of them. And then that way, if you've owned it at least a year, you can take what's called long-term capital gains and then you can take the installment sale when you convert it to a land contract. Nice. Yeah, you've told me that before, and I forgot. That's um, really smart. Yeah, it's really cool. Larry, we only got five more minutes. I love how you were doing the example sales call with sellers. Um, you have a lot of training, some awesome courses. What's the best course that you have that kind of dives into how to talk to sellers and has a lot of good example seller calls. My Filthy Riches course is one that we really have a lot of live calls there. I have live calls with buyers, sellers, and realtors. And I show people how to talk to realtors, get them to like them and trust them and get their offers out there. Because a lot of people are afraid to offer through a realtor 50, 60, 70% or 30 or 40%, right? Because they don't want to make the realtor mad, but there's a way to do it to get them to like you and trust you and leave the door open 
for them to call you back or you call them back. And then with sellers and investors as well and buyers, you know, it's it, you, you've got to have some negotiating skills because let me tell you something. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. Yep. And you got to build that rapport and get them to like you and trust you as soon as possible. That's really good. Um, okay, so how do people get a hold of the Filthy Riches? Do you still sell that? Yeah, yeah. That we, We've got a webinar coming up at FilthyRiches.com. Okay. FilthyRiches.com. We've got a seven-part video series they can grab there which leads them to the webinar. But the seven-part video series is great. If they go to filthyriches.com, they can check that out. It's not filthyhouses.com. No, no. <laughs> filthy I, Riches. Filthy, I was speaking at one of your events a long, long time ago, Larry, and I kept on saying filthy houses. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. But it's, That's funny. I had forgotten about that. Filthy Riches. Dot com. You got it. And uh, that's it's a really, really good course. And you keep on updating that so it's current. And um, we do. We have lifetime updates and yep. and uh, where people can log in and get the updates. Anytime I make an update to a form, document, script, letter, whatever it is, manual, audio. In fact, not too long ago, I updated the entire course. So I re-recorded the audio just so everything would match. And it's on the updates for everybody. You know, I'm looking at, I bought your course and I have the, um, the manuals. There's like five of them. <laughs> and, uh, is it online now? Is it digital or is it still? Do you yeah, still we, it? yeah, we do it digital now. So as oh, soon good. as somebody gets it, they can grab it right then and, you know, take it with them on the road and share it with their VAs and stuff like that. Nice. Because, you know, Joe, sometimes the best automation is a good VA. Oh, who said that before? <laughs> a wise man I heard once said that. <laughs> that was yours truly. Thank you very much. So good, Larry. Um, and if people want to get your HUD book, how do they get your, how do they get your HUD book? Uh, FreeHUDbook.com. We have a, a funnel there where you can get a free digital version. If you want us to ship you the physical book. After you opt in to get the digital book, you can get the physical book by paying shipping and we'll include the audio book to go with it. Nice. Guys, I've been in the business a long time. I know a lot of speakers, trainers, and educators, you know, and Larry is one of the few that is still actively doing deals and he's doing a lot of them. I was just in his office the other day. I see his sales team on the phone with sellers. You know, as you're walking through the office, you hear them talking to sellers, which is awesome. And you see their computer screens with uh, Zillow and Redfin, and they're looking at the actual deals. And it's a it's awesome. It's inspiring. And I've also seen his courses and been through his courses, and they're top notch. Larry does such a good job of breaking it down into simple terms, easy to understand, easy to follow. And he's a great teacher. And I'm not getting anything by saying that either. Larry's just a good friend and I like what he's doing. And I want, if you're interested in learning some of what we talked about today, I highly recommend Larry's courses and stuff. Thanks, um, Joe. Very, I appreciate that. Very good, high quality. And you're going to get a lot out of it. And he's, the other cool thing that Larry, I loved about being in your office was you have your big, huge conference room and you've literally have a hundred or a hundred, a couple hundred testimonials on the wall of like framed pictures of people that have been doing deals. Yeah, they are lining the walls, aren't they? That's a, funny. A lot of them. 
So anyway, guys, uh, check out Larry's website, filthyriches.com or freehudbook.com. And what's the name of your podcasts, Larry, your, your two podcasts again? Uh, one is called Brain Pick a Pro, where I interview uh, wise people like yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and the other one is called Brag Radio. That stands for Be Rich and Generous. Nice. Brain Pick a Pro, B-R-A-I-N, Brain Pick a Pro. Or you could probably just go to iTunes or whatever podcast player and do a search for Larry Goins. And you'll see it there. Hey, thanks, Larry. I'm looking forward to being on your show. And I, I, I think we covered a lot of good ground here. I appreciate it. Man, I really appreciate you having me on. This has been awesome. Good. All right, guys, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. I know we gave a lot of links, a lot of little um, notes. We'll probably have a transcription of this podcast there as well. So if you want to just read the simple seller's call, that uh, role play that we did, and study that, I'd really recommend you do that. It's important. And get your hands on Larry's stuff, especially the Filthy Riches course that has tons and tons of live seller calls on there, calls with buyers and stuff like that. You'll get a lot out of it. But uh, again, get go to uh, Real Estate Investing Mastery to get the links. And leave us a review on iTunes if you like the show. We appreciate you, Larry. Thank you, everybody. Got to go. And we'll see you all later. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.